Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Carrie Severson. And if you were listening to this, you've had something pop up in your life that you didn't expect to happen. You thought things were all magically going to work out, or you thought there was going to be a, a really happy ending, and then there was a huge bump in the road. Maybe it was a rejection. Maybe it was a no. Maybe it was a death. Maybe it was a divorce. We, we've all had these things in our life. And one of the things I am so passionate about talking about is finding those creative solutions even amidst the obstacles, which is why I am so happy to have Carrie here. She is the author and chief executive officer of the Unapologetic Voice House, a hybrid book publishing business. And she's been in the storytelling industry for nearly 25 years and has such an amazing story that she's going to tell us. Hello, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love um I love talking about solutions and storytelling. So <laughs> this is a perfect thing for me. Thanks so much. That is perfect for me as well. So Carrie, you dealt with a lot of rejection as you yeah. as you built business, right? Tell, yep. tell us what happened. Well, I started writing this book unapologetically enough in 2014. And I pitched agent after agent after agent. And I did all the things that you want to do as a writer. If you're looking for a traditional deal, I went to conferences. I became friends with agents. I joined the big writing groups. I I did all the things, checked all the boxes. And I mean, I even went to like cold pitch slams where you're up there with like eight other writers, you're pitching a table of agents and they're giving you immediate feedback, which is super scary if you've never done that. I don't know if I recommend it. It's super scary, but um, so I pitched my book at the time it was called flirting with burnout and I pitched it to, you know, 50 agents and did how you're supposed to do it. One agent at a time, rejection, 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 just kept on moving along. And I started to notice the same kind of response. I love this book. Your, um, your pitch is perfect. Your proposal is amazing. You don't have a big enough following. And so I just kept on going. And then I retooled the book after so many rejections. You're like, okay, something's off. I retooled the book. I worked on my platform. I did what I did. You know, I started a Facebook group. I started connecting with more people on LinkedIn, started posting more content, started a YouTube channel. Again, check, check all the boxes and retooled my book to include my IVF experience and my fertility journey and started pitching agents that way and started getting the same responses, rejection, rejection, rejection. You don't have a big enough platform. When I started to notice that agents were using really big author names, comparing my work to Brene Brown, comparing my work to Gabby Bernstein, comparing my work to Elizabeth Gilbert, when I was like, I'm being rejected because I don't have a hundred thousand followers. I don't have close to a million followers. Um, that's a different story. That's a, I don't know what else I can't build a million followers overnight. At least I didn't know how to do that. So I actually put the book down. I considered all other publishing options. And for some reason, when I went into the self-publishing space, 
I got like, my intuition was just like hard. No, no. So I didn't take action there. I let it sit for a little bit. And one morning I woke up and I, I'm highly connected, intuitive, believe in signs and all that jazz. I woke up and I got this like imprint on my heart, be the house, be this, be this thing. And, um, it took me about nine months to create the unapologetic voice house, but I did it. And I did it in response to this major pivot I had to create for myself because what I really wanted was a traditional deal, but I wasn't getting it. And so I created the unapologetic voice house, which is a hybrid house. We do have traditional outlets for distribution. Um, and that was my solution to my book. It's been in business since 2019. We have published maybe 35 books and my book, Unapologetically Enough, which is the foundation of why this business started, is finally dropping May 24th, 2022. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> and if I, I want to bring up a couple of things that you said in, yes. to our listeners. Because <sighs> I heard the, I felt the own, my own emotion spring up when you said your pitch was perfect. Mm-hmm. Your book was great. And there's this idea that if I could just get a little better, it'll work out. Or if I could yep. just, I call it smart girl syndrome, which yep. means just keep working a little harder, working a little right. harder, not working. And what you did so beautifully is like, it's not working in this one lane. Can I solve the same problem, which is being an amazing published author and getting this work out into the world in a different lane of my life? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I said, so this is synchronicity. This is how magic kind of works in my life. I, when I, when I did all the things that I wanted to go meet agents and all this stuff, I went to conferences and I let my intuition sort of guide me on what conference to go to, regardless of where it was, I was going to find a way to get there. So I ended up in New York city at a conference. It was 2014 or 2015. My intuition was like, uh, take a longer lunch. And so again, I let myself experienced that. I walked around New York city, found myself sitting outside whole foods in Columbus circle. And I noticed that there was a woman staring at me. (laughs) And so for the first time in my entire life, I looked at a stranger and I was like, can I help you? (laughs) And she was like, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how not to get burned out in my job. I'm like, Oh, I can totally help you. I'm a recovering burnout. And my book really is about my burnout journey. The first part of my book is about my burnout journey. And I'm like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a literary agent. And so that's how things happen when we're willing to put ourselves in different comfort zones, different lanes, like you said, and just trust that things are happening. If we, if we have a will, there is a way. And so that relationship has been an ongoing relationship for eight years. My book is published. It drops soon. I thought of that woman for the first time in a long time, a couple of weeks ago. And I looked her up and she started her own agency and I pinged her. And I was like, Hey, do you remember me? We met over Pinkberry. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I tell people about our meeting all the time. And I'm like, I actually, my book is coming out. Can I send it to you? And she was like, I would love to read it. And so, yeah, that's who knows. That's how it worked. I mean, I don't know if anything will come of that. I'm putting it out in the universe that she and I become something down the road, but yeah, I, the lanes, the number of lanes I shifted and the flow that I allowed into my life because of this is changed my life for sure. Well, 
and it's two pieces. And I think it's hard to get both right. There's the, you know, many people talk about the masculine and feminine energy, right? In the mm-hmm. flow and muscle. And so when you, when you were talking and you said, oh, if there's a will, there's a way I heard the hustle mm-hmm. and then your ability to shift and change lanes was Total the other flow. piece, of it, right? yeah. which is a total flow. And I, I do want to point that out because I think people are either, I see some people who just have no direction or hustle and they're just kind of like, well, maybe it'll magically work out. And then I have to see some people who it's like, I'm just going to pound the pavement and they, they can't see the forest for the trees. Yep. If that makes any sense. So I do want to commend you and point out to our audience, the, the beauty of both. Oh my gosh. I, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that now, because as my book, as I'm preparing for my book to launch and like super intimate details about my life to be read by total strangers. um, I work with my coach on balancing my energy all the time because major, major possibilities are working behind the scenes for me and this beautiful creation. I spent eight years working on things that would pop in June, July, and August, that would change my world change. I would hope impact women around the country, if not the world in a massive way. And I'm not just saying that to shoot brute, you know, just shoot the BS that there are legitimate, huge opportunities in the works and not getting caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the masculine energy and allowing myself to receive that is honestly where I'm at right now, because I did the work. I put it out there. I pitched, I did work hard and now it's allowing it to happen. And so leaning back and being in that flow again is my daily check. I'm like, where's my heart? How can I tap into my heart more and expand my help more so I can receive um, that's my jazz right now. <laughs> well, and that's an important point as well. Cause I think we try to find like the, you know, let's say it's something silly, like a diet it's like, okay, what's the one pill I can take that I never have to worry about my weight again. And it, it is kind of that daily mm-hmm. habit, like, okay, you know, the ebb and flow, the masculine and the energy, you know, I, I heard someone bring talk about one time about the seasons of business. Tony Robbins is taking talking about it too, but I, I really liked what this person said because he talks about preparing for winter. Tony Robbins talks about preparing for winter, but she talked about uh, really mm. the seasons of planting, right? And so you had all these years of planting that yeah. uh, are really coming to harvest, you know, but it's hard when you're in those different seasons. Mm-hmm. Harvest season's good. The winter's bad. The spring's kind of scary because you like things are sprouting up and you don't know if someone's going to pick them or stomp on them or, yep. you know, it's yeah, scary. Totally. Yeah, I understand that very well. <clears throat> I've never been very good at the seasonal things. I've been really good at the day to day. And like I admire entrepreneurs who are able to fore, foresee they have this big program, then they're going to push it and then they're going to let this ride. For me, this, the book business last year was just a huge, I mean, just, we published like 18 books last year alone, which was way too much for, um, it was double my quota. I have a quota with a distribution company that does distribute out to all the retailers. And that was, uh, for a sophomore house, that was double what (laughs) my quota was, um, And I definitely felt the impact of that. And so figuring out how to be in a seasonal, I would love to be able to do that with my business. 
Um, and that will take some practice, but I'm, I feel like I'm really good at the day-to-day shifting. And when I am tapped in to my heart and I am aware of what I'm doing and where I'm going and how this is expanding. And I, if I get a burst of energy for like, Oh, I should talk to this person. I should follow up with this person. I take action. And then I give myself the grace to there's nothing here today. There's nothing here right now. I'm not going to try to force something. That's my, one of my biggest lessons is that like the forcing of things and the pounding and the pushing led to burnout. And I have to have a really healthy boundary with that. Otherwise a workaholic, lots of, you know, pain, health issues. I can't do it. Uh, no one can. (laughs) (laughs) So what does being unapologetically enough mean to you? Mm, I love that question. So it took me a long time to accept that there is a, there is a divine time to everything. And the universe has got my, the universe does have my back and that everything is working out in my favor. There is, it took me a long time to accept the fact that like, I am whole, perfect and complete in every moment of my day, regardless of how I look, what I dress, what my attire is that day, what I'm doing with my day. Um, I am unapologetically enough in every moment and accepting myself as that regardless of what society says about me is not my truth. I am unapologetically enough as I am today, just me. So that, that was my big aha moment that, um, you know, I'm 40 something. I'm a plus size. I'm a bonus mom, you know, not don't have children of my own. I'm an entrepreneur, not a 95. Like I, regardless of the titles, and all the things that society could put on me, I had to accept myself for me first in every moment of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any practices, best practices for learning to accept yourself? Um, tuning into my my breath, like breath work is, I think, a cliche maybe, or it's hard for people to understand the importance of that. But meditation is something I have been doing for 20 years. Wow, um, 20 years. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) And now, um, being able to just sort of like do it by myself without music, lying on the floor, whatever, in any space, I, um, being still and allowing breath to come through my body actually did help me tap into a deeper level of emotion that I had to get to in order to release some of the pent up energy and the pent up pain and the pent up, um, like head trash that I was keeping so far behind the wall uh, that I wouldn't even allow myself to feel it or think it or believe, you know, let it come out because it was going to be hard for me to embrace that part of me, you know, the, the pieces of ourselves that we don't like to show anybody or um, beating myself up because I didn't look like her and I didn't have this much money and I didn't do that when I was able to embrace all that jazz, that's really where it started for me and um, getting still and allowing my brain to settle so I could feel that stuff that I had to feel was really where it started for me. So after someone reads your book, how do you think they'll be changed afterwards? Well, my 
big hope is that they learn how to reframe what the concept of success means to them and what the concept of self-love means to them. I hope that they're able to recognize that, like going back to your point about the masculine and the feminine, the hustle and the flow, like there, there's two sides to all of us. And just because you're not running ragged every moment of every day does not mean that you aren't successful. You could be doing anything and claim success. It has to be a personal thing. So redefining what success means to you, I think is one of my big hopes and takeaways the self-love piece, we're so good at talking about self-care, but as women, I don't believe we're, we talk about self-love a lot. And that idea that self-love and being unapologetically enough are hand in hand. We have to learn how to love ourselves at a cellular level in order to truly accept ourselves. And learning how to do that is one of the takeaways that I, I really hope women get. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I love that. I I heard one time something about self-care versus self-maintenance versus self-love. You know, so often I think the self-love conversation gets swept into, oh, or self-care. I'm getting Mm -hmm. my nails done. I I Mm -hmm. took a bath. You know, some of these things that's really more in the self-maintenance. But the beauty industry, you know, L'Oreal, you're worth it. It's like, okay, you're worth it. They kind of programmed us to think, well, self-love and self-care means... Yeah. Taking care of my body rather than my soul mm-hmm. or um, uh, my finances or my success or my, the dark stuff or my relationships or, you know, self-care can be so many hard things. Mm-hmm. And then self-love can be so many beautiful things that have nothing to do with a new outfit or. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I learned how to, um, so I, you know, um, my book really does showcase a number of different elements, burnout, my, um, dating as a entrepreneur, and then my IVF experience. And I ended up really sick after IVF. So sick that I was bedridden for a while. And I learned how to love myself by being completely still because I couldn't move. And so the only thing that really worked were my eyes and my brain. Uh, I could look around the room And I would close my eyes and I would take deep breaths and I would think of all these lovely thoughts about myself, you know, like um, my skin, I love my cells. I love my organs. I love my skin. And like really let that kind of sink in while underneath the covers, letting myself cry, loving myself the most in moments like that is really where it started to shift for me. Um, (laughs) It's uh, those are very personal things, right? How we learn how to love ourselves. And I'm giggling because you said something that you said that I said something you needed to hear as far as the ebb and flow and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We're basically talking about every time I've ever had a coach. They're like, wow, you have a really quick tempo. Wow. Do you ever slow down? Wow. Do you? So it's really interesting, you know, as things are magic and meant to be. You and I (laughs) met yesterday online and here we are. Right. (laughs) uh, and in speaking self-love, yeah, even yeah, being super tender. I um, and it's a daily thing. You have to like remember. It's like, we go through seasons of our life to learn something, but these things that I've written about, I like. I have to remember at every point of the day so that I don't become burned out again, that I'm constantly re-examining what my definition of success is, regardless of what society says. And then that I am loved 
first and foremost by myself so that I can accept it from, you know, my husband and my family and give it out fully without any attachments. Um, there are a number of really good nuggets in this book, and I do hope it, I hope it reaches the hearts of the women that need it the most. And where can people find your book? It is um, available May 24th, anywhere books are sold. You can always come over to unapologeticallyenough.com and check out uh, a way to get it online if you want from there. Awesome. Any last words of wisdom from Mrs. Carey today? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love the concept of shifting lanes when you're up against, a you know, when you reach a dead end, it doesn't mean it's dead. It just means that you got to go in reverse and find a left turn somewhere, try a different angle. And obviously as a, you are a creator, right? You've Mm -hmm. created this, you've created a book, you've created stories throughout your life. And so for our listeners, I really, sometimes we think of creativity as being able to make up a song or, but I want to think about, also think about creativity as being able to solve a problem of being able to change lanes and being able to uh, tap into grit um, in that creative space, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It's necessary. it's necessary to get what you want and move forward. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you can stay stuck, but <laughs> absolutely necessary to get unstuck. Thank you, Carrie, so much. You guys thank check you. out the book and thank you for helping us become unapologetically enough. Great You're conversation. Thank you. If you have been listening to the Toxic Person Proof podcast and think, gosh, there's really something different about this. There's something different about what Sarah's saying. Good, because there's so many people talking about narcissism and talking about understanding toxic relationships and too few people talking about building an amazing life after a toxic person encounter. Finding love, finding joy, finding that new career, finding a great relationship with your kids, finding yourself, finding your confidence. So if you love what you hear, then you would probably love the wondrous woman program, which is a program that I run to help people reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof, and go on to design lives they're excited about living. So go to my website, sarahkramsey.com, check out the tab on programs to find out more, and then sign up for a call to see if the toxic person proof program and the wondrous woman program is right for you. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.